We have a number of people who want to be the next mayor of Providence. Joining me today is Gonzalo Cuervo, Democrat for that job. In fact, they're all Democrats right now. If we get a Republican, we'll have them on too, although they run unaffiliated in Providence. Gonzalo Cuervo, welcome to 10 News Conference. You're new to my show, but you're not new to politics. You were the, the uh, Secretary of State's Chief of Staff for several years, and before that you worked for the mayor in Providence as Chief of Staff. You know the building, you know the ropes. Tell me why you want to go from appointed person to elected person. Why? Well, Gene, thanks for having me. Providence is a fantastic city, and it has a lot of great assets, but there are a lot too many people in the city that don't have any access to that. And that, that persistent poverty, that income inequality, is a really serious threat to all of us, both in the city and outside of the city. It's really limiting our, our ability to grow. It's limiting our ability to invest mm -hmm. in, in infrastructure, invest in the things that we need to make sure that the city is on a sustainable path. And I want to run because I'm a lifelong um, advocate in the city. I've been a community leader. I've been a small business owner. I've worked in government for, for nearly two decades. Mm -hmm. And I was born in Providence. And I love this city. And I think that, that my diverse background, not only professional but personal, um, has prepared me to really make the changes and bring the folks together that that needs to happen for us to to do this in the city. Okay, so there have been some shortcomings, I guess. You're watching things that haven't added up to you. Is this a reflection on your prior your prior boss, the mayor of Providence? Because you were the chief of staff. This never got done while he was there? Well, I mean, I think I think a change comes incrementally in government, you know, and I think that, that the mayor Tavares left the city much better than he found right. it. And I think that that's what we have to look at. And I'm very proud of the work that I did during his administration. I'm very proud of all the work that I've done as a community leader and as a city official and state official. Are you proud of the way Mayor Alorza handled it? Because a lot of people criticize him for a number of different reasons. Do you want to you want to lay him out or are you going to say, well, he did the best he can? Well, I think, look, I, I think he's faced some very serious challenges. And I think um, overall, you know, he's run uh, uh, an honest, transparent government. And, you know, running the city of Providence is difficult. And I think people have already had seven years to make up their mind on, on what they think about his administration. So I look forward to, uh, to moving the city forward beginning in 2023. All right, we're going to dig into, the, into what's going on there now and how you might change it. So you were Mayor Tavares, you were what, four years with him, and then you went to the Secretary of State's office, and you must manage your money pretty good because you know, now you're a professional candidate, correct? That's, that's what you're doing for the past almost a year. Yes, sir. And so, in other words, you're doing that full-time. I'm doing this full-time. All right, and you hope to be the full-time mayor, which comes with a salary. Be nice, I guess, at some point to start having an income come in. How have you been doing that? How have you been managing? Well, you know, I, I save some money, um, you know, and I don't have a lavish lifestyle, and my wife works, and she's very supportive of me. Well, that's good. You get a little insight into you. Tell me a little bit about you, because maybe you know, we know you as an administrator, people who you work for other people. Tell the, tell the folks about you a little bit. Well, Gene, you know, I was born in Providence. I'm 47 years old. I have two uh, adult children. My youngest is a senior at UConn. Mm -hmm. My wife is a school teacher, and she runs a theater company here in Providence. And, you know, I've been very involved in the community since I was 19 years old. I started as a, as a community organizer on the south side. Mm -hmm. I, I ran a small business on Broad Street for several years in the late 90s. And most recently, when I left my job at the Secretary of State's office, I actually spent some time... Um, substituting at Mount Pleasant High School because okay. I actually I, I live right down the street from Mount Pleasant High School and I really wanted to get a feel for for, for what's going on inside you know inside our high school so I had that opportunity that was an eye-opening experience well you know the city you know City Hall you work for the mayor so you're gonna hit the ground running we assume provided you prevail now there's some there's some 
Uh, touchy topics going on in your city. Number one, litmus test. Are you defund the police? Absolutely not. I think, I'll tell you, Gene, everywhere I go in the city, I've been talking to a lot of people, individuals and groups, and what people want is better, more accountable policing. Mm -hmm. They don't want less policing. They want, they want police to improve the community police relationships and to be accountable when there's wrongdoing. We all know in any profession, regardless of what that is, there are, there are some folks that, that yes. don't do a good job in we need to hold those accountable. There are bad apples, but we understand there are more good apples, and sometimes the police absolutely, feel put absolutely. upon. And we, they, have to be, we have to be supportive of those. Would you increase funding to, for the police, or at least hold it level? And all this stuff about reimagining, uh, is that not for you? Well, here's the thing. I, th I think we absolutely have to reimagine public safety, but I think what happens is we end up in these binary conversations where you're either for defunding the police, yeah or you think that the only solution is to hire a ton of new cops. And I think that the reality, like most things in life, is much more nuanced than that. I think, you know, I think we, we're at a very low point in terms of staffing for the police, and we're working through that. You know, there's a, currently an academy in place, and there's another academy that's queuing up, okay. and we need to get to an appropriate staffing level. But, but you know that we aren't going to hire our way out of violent crime. We're not going to hire our way out of the issues that, that impact a city like Providence and other cities, you know. Well, you know, you're right. It's nuanced. It's more complicated than just a quick headline. Uh, but it has become the issue because your party, the Democrats, took a beating on Tuesday. We're taping here on Friday. Look what happened in Virginia. Look what happened in New Jersey. It came very, very close. And there's other races where the Republicans were able to say, we're not defund the police and we're not woke and we're not critical race theory and all those things. This must be weighing on you because you're pretty politically, politically savvy. You watch the shows on Tuesday. Go ahead. Well, here, here's the thing, Gene, is I think I think a lot of times when when you see um, Democrats that lose, they a, a lot of these candidates are also kind of wishy-washy. They're trying to be all things to all people. And I'm running for mayor of Providence. I'm not I'm not running for Congress. I'm not running for governor. I'm not running for president. Mm -hmm. And I have to think about what are the issues that impact Providence directly and how can we address those issues in a thoughtful way by bringing people together, people who have very different viewpoints on on, on different aspects. And I think that, that that's what I've tried to do in my career and in my personal life. And I think that we can accomplish that without getting into these polarizing conversations about about these issues that 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 people a lot of times don't even think about. They just have visceral reactions to. All right, let's go down. Let's do a lightning round. We'll tick off the topics. The Providence Place Mall, you lost Nordstrom. Boscovs came in, but some people say if the Apple store ever moves out of that place, they're going to put the lights out. And across the way at Kennedy Plaza, you've got crime. And then you have the empty Superman building. And I could go on and on and on in kind of a downward spiral. What would you do to address all, what I, all that I just said? Well, here's the thing. I think one of the primary roles of any mayor is to be the chief cheerleader and lobbyist for their city. And I think that's an area where we need to make some serious improvements. Mm -hmm. I think uh, people need to feel good about Providence. They need to see tangible improvements. They need to see cleaner streets they need to feel that that public safety is is heightened i think uh one of the areas that um most of the conversations that revolve around the city of providence lately it tend to be negative conversations they don't yeah. there's nothing that people feel particularly exciting about and yet the city is alive the city has all types of uh, uh events happening there are people coming into the city for the restaurants for the shows for all these things mm -hmm. and i think a, a big important part of being mayor is really 
highlighting, first of all, running the city well, and then promoting the city and, and, and building people's pride around the city, make people feel proud about Providence, about being a part of Providence again. All right, what would you do with the Superman building? It's empty. There's no real plan to get that thing filled or torn down or whatever you want to do. What would you do with the Superman? Just give me a quick answer on that, because then I want to ask you about the buses in front of the Superman building. Go ahead. Well, I, I look, I, I think the Superman building... As an office building, I think there's general consensus that it's too it's obsolete. Mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't work as an office building. I think we have to look at other options for it. They're a combination of maybe retail on the ground level and some sort of housing or institutional use in the upper levels. Yep. That, that, that's a conversation that's going to require a lot of input from the state. And everybody's been passing that conversation around like a hot potato. And I think, you know, the, the owner of that building is basically sitting around, you know, waiting to shame folks into action. And I think that's an unfortunate uh, reality and, and a testament to, to this kind of uh, uh, paralysis that we have in a lot of the decision-making in politics today. All right, well, you would have to ask the governor, whoever the governor might be, and the leadership to help me with this, because I, I want to keep it up, and you want to fill it. Now, what about the buses in front of Kennedy Plaza? You know, uh, that's a prized piece of real estate. It's a drool, and we use it as a bus station. Other uh, New England cities use it as a beautiful green to attract people. What would you do with that? Where would you put the buses? Well, here, here's the thing. That I, I don't think, look, Kennedy. the issue with Kennedy Plaza isn't that, that buses go or that it's green. We have to look at the underlying issue of, of what we see in Kennedy Plaza. I think what makes a lot of folks uncomfortable is that there are a lot of visible manifestations of poverty mm -hmm. that we see in Kennedy Plaza. And whether it's a bus depot or it's a green space, those manifestations are not gonna go away until we begin to address the root cause of this persistent poverty in our city. We have unbelievable income inequality in our city. And and, and we have a lot, a lot of folks that, that don't really have um, things to do or places to go. And so, you know, wh whether we break up Kennedy Plaza or we keep it in one spot, those issues are not going to go away. When I was a kid, Gene, in the in the early 80s, my mom would bring me downtown and we'd go to West Mrs. Street to shop. Yep. And, and, and Kennedy Plaza was a strange place back then, you know, 35 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> oh, it's gotten a lot stranger. Democrat from Mayor of Providence, Gonzalo Cuervo, continues his conversation with me. Uh, Mr. Cuervo, uh, you said you want to deal with the root problems of homelessness before we decide what to do to the buses. Isn't it shouldn't be the other way around? Shouldn't the people have to get to work on the buses come first before the root problem of homelessness? I mean, look, there's, there's a move afoot to move the buses one way or another. So just to tackle that, where would you put the buses? Well, I mean, I think there's a new proposal now to... to to build an indoor depot uh, down the street from yes. Kennedy Plaza. And that's something that's certainly worth looking at. Okay. But, you know, that's a major investment. I, I think I, I think the issue is it, it goes beyond homelessness. It also, you know, there, there are a lot, there's a lot of issues around persistent poverty, uh, mental health mm -hmm. um, issues, uh, substance abuse. Uh, you know, that impacts people who aren't necessarily homeless. And they those folks, they, they, they come down from their different communities and they hang out in downtown Providence. And that's that's the hangout place. And that's, you know, that's not going to change by by breaking up Kennedy Plaza. All right. And, well, you, you know, know, breaking up the bus stops. You know, we all agree. You know, those are Greek restaurants. Spent a lot of money to go in, I think, on the Westminster Street there on the corner. And there's other nice uh, shops and buildings. And I walked down one day and I saw homeless people laying out in front. And I said, look at this. Despite, this guy spent so much money here to have a business. He has a homeless guy laying in front. At what point do you say we are, we are considerate of the homeless? We want to help them. But the businessman has to come first and the, his customers have to come first. What kind of a mayor would you be? Well, here's the thing, Gene. I, you know, I, th I think we, need, we always need to think about people first, right? Because cities are people. And, and when, when we talk about home, homelessness, we tend to, to turn it into like an other. 
and like we dehumanize people who are experiencing homelessness. And there, you know, there are all types of different folks that are experiencing homelessness. I think that we can we can beautify our downtown area, but in order to to be successful, we can't just arrest or displace people because folks are going to come back. Mm -hmm. So until we we make significant investments and we're thoughtful and we partner with agencies that are addressing these types of of behavioral health and 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 people who, who need housing, if we don't address that in a comprehensive manner, you know, the, the issue just comes back. It will just come back. You know, these folks need help. It's not it's not something that that you can you can erase. No one. Listen, no one solved it yet. And uh, if you can solve it, then that's going to be kudos to you. We, we understand that. But it is, it is a fair question. At what point, you know, the, the interest of the homelessness versus the man who's trying to run a business or a customer who has to walk over them to get in the business, where does that come to play? Let's leave Westminster. Let's go up to Atwell's Avenue. I go up there often. I like to eat up there. And sometimes the streets are a little too dirty. And it kind of kills the appetite. What would you do to keep the streets cleaner and fill the potholes and pick up the trash and cut the trees and on and on and on? What kind of quality of life, Mayor, would you be? Well, here's the thing, Gene. Um, again, as I said earlier, you know, the, one of the, the most important roles of a mayor is to be a cheerleader for their city. And you can't be a cheerleader for, cheerleader for a city that looks like it's falling apart. You know, I think, I think we need to get really aggressive with, with cleaning our streets, with keeping our streets maintained. You know, our, our street sweeping schedule has been reduced to like once or twice a year when you have cities like Boston where they sweep their streets every two weeks. You know, th these are the types of things that we have to make. These are strategic investments that what's happening is that because of the fiscal challenges that cities have faced over years, they begin to cut cut corners here and there and here and there. And next thing you know, the city looks uh, disheveled. It looks like it's falling apart. And you ask yourself why, and maybe because there's only one or two people um, assigned to sweeping the entire street of the entire city of Providence. And you know, these are things that need to be addressed. We can't tackle the bigger problems if people don't feel good about their city. And they're not gonna feel good about their city yeah. if the city's full of potholes and dirty. We have two minutes, so let's uh, keep that time in mind because we have a hard out. Would you be the bike path mayor or would you be the person to undo some of the bike paths that the business people are complaining about, particularly South Water Street? That's the escape route out of Providence. It's only one lane now. And some people say, the business people say that's the wrong move. Where do you stand on those bike paths? And I'm gonna ask you about the schools. Take about 30 seconds. Well, Gene, bike paths are part of a conversation around what people call these days multimodal uh, transportation. Every city in America that is in a suburban town mm -hmm. is investing in multimodal transportation, whether it's bike paths, whether it's um, uh, pedestrian infrastructure, all these different things. You know, you can argue about the merits of how the city has rolled out some of these things, right. but these things are here to stay in a modern society. And if you look at South Water Street, South Water Street was a feeder street for the highway before the highway was moved. South Water, South Water Street is a mile away from the highway now. It's a very different conversation. And I think, you know, once people get over the initial shock and the, and the pearl clutching of change, they realize, hey, you know, this actually works. And if you go down there now, I've actually been down there a couple of times. Yeah. You know, there, there's parking and there's, there's movement and traffic. And I think, I think a lot of times the issue that the people have is the way city ro the city rolls out some of these programs. And okay. it kind of like um, takes them by surprise and it doesn't, you know, well, that could probably be improved. Took the business people by surprise. We've only got 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Just quickly on the school takeover. You wouldn't have much to do with that because the state runs the whole show. But just quickly, your thoughts on that. 30 seconds, I have a heart out. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing. I, the, the, the state took over the schools because they were going to bring transformational change. That hasn't happened. 
what we've seen is a continuation of the status quo and particularly after the pandemic you know our students have been hit really really hard there needs to be a change you know there needs to be a change in holding the adults around okay. the table accountable and that includes parents that includes educators and that includes political leaders and i think everybody's kind of passing this around like a hot okay. potato and hoping that it'll be somebody else's problem that needs to end and that's what we want to do i've got to hold you there but thank you for coming on i think we covered a lot of ground we will have you on again good luck to you thank you gene